Hey mamas, welcome back to another episode. We are going to be talking about nutrition for our kids today. So whether you have a baby who is going to be starting solid soon, or maybe you have a kid who's a little older who might be picky, or you just or you just don't even know how to prioritize nutrition when it comes to your kid, you are going to want to listen to this episode. I interview Emily Miller, who's a certified nutrition specialist and a mom of two boys. And we talk about how to prioritize nutrition in our kids' meals and food and grocery shopping, and also how to deal with picky eaters. So if you think it is too late, your kid does not want to eat healthy food, don't worry, it is not. We're going to be giving you some tips and tricks for that. Um, one more thing I want to add, I'm going to be talking a little bit about Thrive Market later and why I love them. But one thing I want to just throw in there is when it comes to baby food and puffs and all that stuff, I honestly don't trust a lot of the brands um, like Happy Baby, even though it's Happy Baby Organics, they do have some high levels of metals and like heavy metals and lead and stuff. And I don't know, that just, it just made me a little extra cautious about that. And then, you know, just other brands like Gerber and just, just brands that you see everywhere. Um, I will say that the one brand that I do trust that Emily even talks about briefly um, is Serenity Kids. I'm not sponsored by them at all. I'm just telling you guys what brand of puffs I will actually feed my son. I'm very picky about what he eats um, and what comes into our house. And Serenity Kids is third party tested and they just have really high quality ingredients in their foods. They have puffs and they also have um, like little, kind of like applesauce pouches, but it's not just applesauce. They actually have like meat and veggies and stuff in it. So the reason why I bring up Thrive Market is because that's where I get my Serenity Kids puffs and snacks for my baby is through Thrive Market is through Thrive Market. Um and like I'll talk about later like why I love Thrive Market. It is just the cheapest place to get it. Gets delivered right to your door and you get 30% off your first order and a free gift. If you use my code, the link will be in the show notes. But I just wanted to share that because I truly trust Serenity Kids. And I just wanted to give you a little product recommendation. But anyways, let's get started with this episode and I hope you enjoy it. I'm Miranda Lee and you're listening to the Bread Therapy Mama podcast, a show created for moms who want to feed their families foods that heal them, not hurt them. Food was meant to be our medicine, and the best way to do that is by focusing on the ingredients, not the calories. Here, you'll find everything you need to know about holistic nutrition sprinkled with some motherhood, faith, and non-toxic living along the way. I can't wait to grow with you. Let's dive in. Hello, Emily. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk about nutrition for littles. I think this is a topic that is not talked about enough um and it is new for a lot of people you know because you're just kind of thrown into that world once you have a kid and you just kind of have to figure it out all by yourself so um before we dive into that can you introduce yourself to our listeners who you are what you do and kind of how you got to where you are today Sure. Yeah. Um, my name is Emily Miller. I am a master face reader and a certified nutrition specialist. Um, my main goal is really to work with 
clients and help reconnect them with their really their most authentic selves through just restoring, rebalancing their lives, health and well-being. Um, but really, since becoming a mom myself, I've really had to also deep dive into nutrition from a kid's standpoint. And I think there's a lot of stuff out there <laughs> that can be tricky as a parent to navigate. And so um, that's been a really interesting arena of my life since becoming a mom, having two kids and just going through that whole journey. Yeah, we were talking before about, you know, you you having two kids, two boys and just the craziness and wildness of, of having boys. And um, I don't know about you, but my boy is an insane eater. He eats so much and I'm like you're only one like how am I going to feed you when you're a teenager because like I already have to order him his own meal when we go out to restaurants I'm like I thought you were supposed to be picking little things off my plate for a for a couple more years but but definitely not are, you, are your sons or not the two-month-old but is your oldest son a big eater too he is. Yes. Um, he definitely was at one. He's three now. Uh, what is really fascinating is it does change and kind of go through cycles as they get older. Uh, so you'll find that like when my son was one, he would eat everything and anything. And then as they go, I think one of the challenges as a nutritionist is trying to keep everything balanced. But you'll find that like kids do naturally gravitate towards certain food items more than others, depending on how they are growing. And that's really the only pattern that I've been able to really see uh, with, with my son, especially right now. But, you know, at certain times he will eat so much meat and it will be all about chicken or beef, whatever we're having or eggs and want to eat. He could eat like three eggs at a time, you know, and then all of a sudden he doesn't want those things for a little while and gravitates more towards just like fruits and just really wants to eat a lot of fruit. And so that piece is really interesting to navigate as a nutritionist, because for all of my schooling and things like that, it's all about like balance and ensuring that you're getting the proper proteins, carbs, fats, all of these things. And with kids, it's fascinating to see how there can be such a range simply based on the day or the weeks, and then seeing how that matches with their growth rates too. But yes, it at one ate everything and anything so much and then it's it's balanced out to to an extent but he'll smash some some food still <laughs> <clears throat> yeah I think it's everything you were just saying is just kind of proof that we were born like really in tune with our body and like being intuitive eaters and I've talked about this in previous episodes like you know, with diet culture and stuff as adults, like we're taught not to be in tune with our hunger cues and our bodies and what it's needing and wanting and craving. And I think that's so interesting that like when you're a kid and you're a baby, like if you're craving something or if you want something, it's usually for a reason. And, you know, it's for the nutrients. Like if they're craving more meat, you know, maybe they are needing the extra iron in their diet or whatever. And I, I think that's just the super interesting, like kids typically eat till they're satisfied. And then, and that's it. So these things that are natural to us that we're born with that we're kind of taught later on not to trust and not to listen to. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's actually the idea of intuitive eating is so challenging as adults because there's so even if we think we don't have beliefs, there's so much subconscious programming that we've received our whole lives that comes into conflict with intuitive eating. And most people were so far removed from our intuition that it makes it very, very challenging. And then raising children, it can be challenging to not have my own beliefs get automatically put on them. And that's something that like, I'm trying to be very conscious of and aware of because I think there's so much programming around nutrition that we don't even realize until it's like coming out of our mouth. Right. But even like, um, oh, you have to eat everything on your plate or you can't be done. Right. That's so tricky because that teaches you automatically to completely ignore your full signals. And so like as a parent, I've, I try really, really hard to not say those sort of things, especially when it comes to like, oh, you need to finish that. Or like, I'll, I'll try to say like, hey, do you want to take a couple more bites of this sort of thing if he hasn't touched it at all? But that piece can be so tricky. And there's so many aspects where that falls into, like just outside of the full ones, like they even talk about like, oh, well, you need to eat this or you can't have this. Right. And that can be a topic too. And it's, it's very interesting as a parent recognizing and seeing what sort of belief patterns we already have and like how easy it is to place those on top of a kid that is, I think more often than not, like eating, trying to eat more intuitively because that's all they know. Yeah, exactly. So what tips do you have, I guess, to um, kind of foster that intuitive eating aspect with your kids like you already gave an example of you know don't encourage them to or don't force them to eat everything that's on their plate maybe have you know a different approach to it like what are maybe other things that maybe we were taught that okay this is what we you know eat everything on your plate or you can't have this you can't have dessert unless you finish your dinner like how should we actually be approaching our kids nutrition It's tricky. And I feel like I'm still learning as I go a little bit. (laughs) Um, Because then you'll find that I think sometimes as they get a little older, like, they want things that taste good in the moment too, right? And so what I always try to do is at least start off with smaller portions automatically for them. And then if they want more, provide more from there. But as parents, there's such a concern about waste. And like, oh, I don't want to throw this away. This is wasteful. I've just tried to completely remove that from my thought process. And so it's like, I'll, I'll keep it smaller, smaller portions for them. And that's totally fine. Um, but I do try to provide. So let's say, for example, um, my kid wants maybe like the easiest example would be like chocolate or a popsicle, like something that we would consider to be more of like a dessert style I will always say like, hey, okay, but um, would you like to have some cheese with that? How about some deli meat? How about some yogurt with that? Or like, hey, do you want to eat yogurt first? And then we can have something like that, like to, to try to provide both options. And what I find more often than not is if I provide both options, he ends up eating both or at least like a portion of both. And I think too often, sometimes it's very easy as parents to not 
to go the easy route in that, like, oh, if my kid says he's not hungry, I'm just not going to feed him. But then they end up still getting overly hungry. And then they tend to gravitate and want like faster snacky things, just like we as adults gravitate towards, right? Like if I haven't eaten in hours, what sounds good to me are going to be fast processing sugars. You want chocolate, you want applesauce, you want those things that are going to give you that nice big insulin spike. That's what we're searching for. And kids are no different. So it's like, I I try to, if I'm eating or starting to get hungry, I try to also like provide something to him as an option. And if he eats it, great. If not, okay, I'll try again later. You know, maybe I'll just put it back in the fridge and bring it back out another time for him. But I try not to stress about like how much he eats or what he's eating because then I know in like a week it will change. Right. So I'll maybe I'll make him eggs one week and he'll smash those. But then the next week he doesn't touch them. So then it's like, okay, I need to switch as a parent and provide some other option over like getting frustrated that he's not eating that specific food item that I am deeming as a good protein and fat source for him. For example, it's like, okay, maybe I need to switch to yogurt, to a smoothie, to a sourdough pancake, something like that instead. And then he eats that just fine, you know? And I think as adults, we can eat the same things more often than kids can. And so providing that variety or changing it up shape-wise and making it interesting, that can also help. Yeah, yeah. Well, my question about the variety aspect. um, So I guess in the beginning, when a child starts eating food, you know, around whatever, four or five, six months, what should that look like? Um, Cause I know there's so many like contradicting things I hear. Like um, one was like, make sure to introduce vegetables before fruit. Cause if they eat fruit, then they won't like vegetables. And I don't know. I, I'm curious to see your point of view on that. I don't know if I necessarily believe that, um, but it makes sense at the same time, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know, like, and with allergies as well, like introduce um, peanut butter as soon as you can. And, um, how do you navigate that? Mm-hmm. It's it's tricky. <laughs> um, it can be tricky, but I also didn't really stress about it that much either. And I think that's sometimes I think as parents, we worry too much. And so how I started personally for my first son and how I plan to do it with my second is I started more initially with higher fat options. Um, so I introduced egg yolks were like one of the very first foods and bone marrow. Um, so that's really like where I started. And then from there, I would gravitate towards um, uh, like I so I went more with like the baby led weaning option where I would provide like strips of food and stuff like that where they could kind of take bites. And I would just have a little bit of everything and just. I didn't stress if they didn't eat vegetables. I didn't stress if they didn't eat fruits and I just kind of let it be. And, but I did try to open up a wide variety of options to my son. So like I fed him, you know, chicken, beef, pork. I did quinoa. I did rice. I did potatoes. I did vegetables. Um, And regardless of whether or not he actually ate it, he was trying it. And then even now it's like, he eats peppers, he eats mushrooms, he'll eat broccoli, asparagus, but then some days he doesn't want it. And that's okay. He eats fruits just fine. I think it's more about what you 
present to them and like how much pressure you put on them to eat it. Like I, I gave zero pressure in regard to like, you have to eat your vegetables. You have to do this. Um, there's lots of vegetables I don't really like, so I'm not necessarily going to force feed them like, Hey, you need to have this or, you know, you're going to grow up not liking it. No, I think <laughs> I don't really like care about that. I guess, you know, I don't think that you have to eat every single item out there to be healthy by any means. And it's like, he gets a variety and that's fine. You know, but I, I tended to do more homemade things over store bought. And I do think that that makes a difference in regard to like flavor options. And that it, that was something I was like more particular about. Like I wasn't going out and buying, I don't know, like a lot of like the puffs and the yogurt ones and things like that, that like kids have. I didn't do a lot of that. Mm -hmm. I did. Um, if I went with anything, it was more like the serenity kids pouches that had like meat and vegetables in it. I would do those, um, maybe some applesauce, but like outside of that, my main options for my son was everything that I was eating just in like smaller portions. I was like, Hey, if you want this, here's what we're having. I didn't go out of my way to get him kid friendly, if you will, what what's marketed as being like kid friendly options. Like he didn't grow up having like the goldfish or the Cheerios and things like that, like that. And so I don't know if maybe that helped in regard to like developing his palate to just have like what we're eating or not. But he still gravitates towards all those same options we eat. I don't, I don't believe in making second meal options or additional meal options for my kids. Like try to eat what we eat or within the ranges of the food options that we have available and that I'm comfortable eating. Yeah. I love that. And I, I totally agree because like, if we ever, you know, go out to restaurants and I never order anything for him off of the kids menu because the kids menu is always like, oh, it just makes me cringe. It's always the same things like hot dogs, macaroni and cheese, um, you know, breaded chicken strips, like just things that I don't know, I wouldn't I wouldn't order. And I I think one of my biggest things with with him is I just kind of order off like the sides, you know, mm -hmm. like I'll pick like, you know, a vegetable and, you know, maybe a meat or maybe I'll ask like for a second meat or I'll you know, pair it with, um, or split it with him. But yeah, I, I like that point that you made, like just them eating what you're eating. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, cause we shouldn't be like treating kids, I guess, different, I guess the only difference should really be like their portion size. And then, you know, like certain rules to an extent, like, you know, don't give, you know, your five month old honey or whatever. Right. <laughs> but, but yeah. Um, I think that just sets them up for success when they grow up too, because I mean, if you're feeding your kid all this processed food out of convenience or maybe just what it's being taught, how it's being taught to us and how, like, why would they grow up eating whole foods, healthy foods if, if they weren't introduced that ever. So mm -hmm. I think that is like such a great point and such a great tip that we should all be doing is like, they should be eating what we're eating unless we're eating garbage, you know, like if we're <laughs> eating a bunch of processed food, like maybe we should be making these changes as a family, you know? <laughs> yeah. And well, and I think what I try to do is like bring him into the process as much as possible. And I think that helps too, 
um, like he's in the kitchen a lot with me, whether that is helping me make a smoothie, helping me, I don't know, make dinner for the, for the night. But like he, like he has his own knives, he has a cutting board, he will help. And I think that's really important too, is like one to see kids follow what their parents do. So if I am cooking, like I want him to cook. And if I'm eating certain things, like I think it's important that he sees me eating these things too. And I think as parents, we get busy And so I think it's not uncommon for us to like try to feed our kids and then we eat later or we're eating and trying to do 10 million other things. And I think I try to show him like, hey, we're cooking, we're eating, we're cleaning up, we're doing all of we're doing all of that together most of the time. You know, maybe there's there's stages where he's not interested in helping and that's all right, but um, he at least knows the process. And I think that's huge too. Like the more that they can get involved stirring the pot or the pan or cutting things or helping put things in, it makes it more fun and more interesting. I think then later for them to eat it or at least try it. Yeah. So what about if, um, let's say, well, actually, you know what, let me ask this question first before I get into that. Do you think picky eaters are like, created or that's how they're born you know like I don't know is it nature or nurture when it comes to picky eaters I think it's a combination of both to be honest um because it's not always easy to provide variety especially when they are really young I think it can be frustrating if you are somebody that struggles with wasting food because there is a lot of waste that happens naturally, you know, like you can provide them with five different things and all five end up on the floor, you know, maybe they eat one or two. Um, and so that can be tricky, you know, and so it becomes easier and more convenient to just provide what they like versus continuing to try to provide options and allow, essentially allow the mess to occur. So I think that can be part of it. Two, I do think that it's very normal for kids to eat cyclically and in patterns, meaning that, as I kind of mentioned earlier, like they don't always want a ton of meat. And there will be periods of time where you will see where they gravitate towards more carbohydrate options, the fruits, those sort of things. If we're not recognizing that and seeing that it's just a cycle and that they will gravitate back towards proteins or fats and that it's just a small period of time that they're in, I think then we can fall into like, oh, this is all that they like. So I'm only going to feed them this, you know, versus mm -hmm. like returning back and trying for example, to bring eggs back in or to bring protein back in, you know, it's like, oh, my kid doesn't like this. He, he will only eat these things. And it's like, maybe for now, but that's yeah. not always the case, but it does. I think picky eaters, I, I do think it's both. And I, I think sometimes it is out of convenience from the parent, but then also like the time constraint, you know, it, it, I think it's always easiest with one to try all of the things. Right. And then you'll see as like the number of kids increases, the amount of effort sometimes that the parent can put in decreases <laughs> a little bit. Um, 
because, you know, back when my son first started, maybe like the baby led weaning, the majority of it ended up on the floor and he had to get a bath every single night because it ended up in his hair or all over his face. And I didn't mind it, but that's also where like my husband would really struggle. And so he struggled with the mess. Like he wanted it to just be a little bit easier, have maybe like, but he likes this, have him do this. So that was very much like on me at that point to do that. And I was okay with it. But depending on your partnership too, that can further complicate it. You know, if neither of you are okay with it, or if one is very much against it, how do you navigate that? So I... I, I really think it's both. I think it's a combination of both like the nurturing aspect and then just naturally how we gravitate through the cycles of growth and then what is provided at those specific cycles. Hey guys, I want to take a quick break from this episode to tell you about my favorite online market, which is Thrive Market. I just absolutely love everything that Thrive stands for. They are on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable. They have high quality, healthy, sustainable products at member only prices. So you get all this high quality stuff for a bargain. Like these prices cannot be beat anywhere else. And you can not only get like pantry essentials and grocery items, but there's also non-toxic cleaning supplies, beauty items, baby and bath products, and even biodynamic wine. Like they have anything and everything that you need if you like went to the local Walmart or something like that, except they only carry products that they want 100% back, which I love. So you're not going to go on there and find like Doritos and Pringles, but you are going to find healthier alternatives that, you know, are dye free or that or organic or gluten free, like just healthier versions of the snacks and foods that you love. And I think my favorite part is that they have these filters for you to filter through your values or your dietary preference preferences or lifestyle choices. So like, for example, for me, whenever I'm trying to um, get food or groceries on Thrive Market, I'll always do like the filters for organic, gluten-free and dye-free because those are just my dietary preferences and allergies. And it will just give me everything that fits those those filters and then you know if I want to get some makeup on there or cleaning supplies like I'll look at women only I'll put like the women owned only business filter on there I'll do fair trade or I'll do eco-friendly packaging and it'll bring up everything that fits that I love it and I think my most favorite part of Thrive Market, which you can't really find at any other grocery store, is that they give you little refill packs for your seasonings, like salt, pepper, paprika, garlic powder, whatever. You can order that on Thrive Market as well. And I love that because you don't have to just get a whole new container every time, which is so wasteful. They just give you a little packet for you to refill your own containers at home. Um, but that's just personally one of my favorite parts. So I don't have, it just helps me reduce my carbon footprint and waste that I'm, and that's something I'm really passionate about. So yes, Thrive Market is amazing for a million different reasons. So it is a $60 annual membership fee or you pay $12 a month for the membership. You get free shipping if you spend $49 or more, which is 
amazing because that's super easy you know when you grocery shop you're spending $49 at least so free fast carbon neutral shipping like super fast um, and with my link you are going to get 30% off your first order and a free gift valuing up to $60 so you can go in the show notes for my link or you can go to linktree.com forward slash this is Miranda Lee and I'll have it on there but I highly recommend Thrive Market. I've had it for years and I will have it probably forever. It is just a great way to have high quality products, but also save money and it fits in my budget. I absolutely love it. So like I said, check the show notes for your 30% off and free gift. And let's get back to the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like what you said about like still keep like giving them the food as an option if it's not something they necessarily like because they might like it, you know, the next day, the next week, the next month. I mean, that's how it was with my son. He liked every single food except applesauce, which is so weird because like that's like the thing that babies are supposed to like. Um, And then I would kind of just keep giving it to him every once in a while. But then people would be like, why would you give it to him? He doesn't like it. And I'm just like, I don't know. And then one day he was like, yeah, I like it. And then just, just kept eating it. And I think it's just, you know, like with us, like, I'm not the biggest fan of raw tomatoes. So I'm not going to go out of my way to feed myself raw tomatoes. But, you know, it's, it's different as a kid versus Mm -hmm. an adult. So I like that. That's a, that's a really good point to still give them the option. Um, and this leads to my second question. What do you do if like, let's say your kid is already that picky eater. If you've, if you've kind of already been giving your kids the convenient processed food and you're just like, oh no, like, is this too late? I I want to, you know, make that lifestyle change for my kid. What tips do you have for that, for making that transition? Yeah. So the vast majority of my clients are parents. And what is really interesting is most of the time I'm having clients come to me wanting help with nutrition, but they do have families and not necessarily everybody is ready to make those same changes by, let's say, removing more of the process options, returning more towards whole foods, that sort of thing. And it does I have to take into account the family, right? Because the family, if the family all isn't on board, then longevity of the program does not exist. There's always going to be a limiting success rate, if you will, because it's like eventually as a parent, it becomes too challenging, especially with the family to make multiple meals. Or if you have to continue to buy some of the processed items to keep other people happy, then eventually peer pressure, stress, that's going to come in. And then you're going to gravitate towards those options too. It's so trying to navigate that can be really, really tricky. Um, And so what I try to always recommend is finding higher quality brands for those same sort of options Mm. and don't necessarily jump a hundred percent from one way to another. You it's too big of a gap to traverse. I like the idea of smaller sustainable steps over time, because the more that you can create the smaller steps, then more often than not, they don't even realize that change is happening until so much change has already occurred. Right. And so I kind of in a way, like I I pride myself on finding cleaner options for those sort of items, you know, like there are 
if you don't have time to make sourdough bread, right? There are decent sourdough bread options that you can get at the store. If you want, if you have to have potato chips, there's at least potato chips that are cooked in coconut oil over, you know, your canola oil, the vegetable oil, the soy, soybean oil, all of those that I like to try to eliminate as much as possible. Um, there are cleaner options. And so starting to bring that in can be helpful because I do think one of the biggest hurdles for people to pass over is the idea that like healthy food tastes bad. It, it, it just, most people don't even want to start because they think like, oh, it's going to be gross. It's not going to taste as good. I'm not going to like it. And so if I can show people that healthier, cleaner options taste just as good, then they're on board. And so it's, I, I'm very open to trying to find just cleaner options for people and starting there. And if we can put those in, then the family tends to get on board a little bit more. So even let's say when you talk pastas, um, wheat, it's for a lot of people, like wheat can be really tricky to digest. And so like there's brown rice pasta or lentil noodles. And a lot of those, they now have the consistency and closer flavor profile to a normal wheat-based pasta. And so beginning to incorporate some of that even, that can be easier sells along the way. And that tends to get picky eaters, if you will, a little more on board. Um, just showing that there can be different products that are close. It's hard depending on how picky they are. And I'll be very upfront like about that is if they only eat five things and those five things are, you know, chicken nuggets, goldfish and gummy bears. I don't know, <laughs> example um, that that can be harder, but there's even cleaner chicken nuggets out there now. And I think that's one huge benefit that I've seen since like being in the space for as long as I have is people are becoming more health conscious. And so maybe they're, the ingredients are improving in certain brands. And like, that is nice to see. Uh, you have to know what to look for, right? But it can at least begin to start that conversation. Whereas, you know, maybe 10 years ago, there wasn't a lot of the same options that there is now. And so if somebody was this picky eater that only wanted to eat goldfish, for example, it was a really hard find to see anything even similar. And at least now they're starting to have more similarities. Are the ingredients maybe 100%? No, but I'm also working within a scale, a sliding scale, right? Like if this one had 20 ingredients and 15 of them are ones that kind of concern me and this brand only has one that concerns me, at least that's a better track right? Let, let's start there and then move forward. So it's more of me, I think, also being open-minded to finding products that work for people that maybe aren't always to my level of where I want them to go, but it's also allowing true change to happen and longevity to happen over time. Yeah. this These aren't changes that are just going to happen overnight. And, you know, if we want the family on board too, like you can't expect us to like go from one type of eating to a completely different type of eating overnight. So it's unfair to think our kids would do the same thing as well. Well, and it's a change, 
right? It's a huge change. And change is a stressor in and of itself. And that's something I really want to be cognizant of is even though in my mind and in our eyes, right, it's a positive change, it's still a huge change and a huge stressor on kids, especially, right? Like nobody handles change well, but when you look at kids, like they already have so much going on. You're looking at their growth rates. You're looking at, depending on their age, are they in school? How's school going? Are they playing sports? Like what are those stressors to put on something else? And all of a sudden be like, we're going to completely flip your life upside down and everything that you've ever eaten now you can't have because that's not healthy. And we need to switch to this. That's it's too much. It's too much of a stressor, right? And regardless of a positive stressor can become negative depending on the environment that is placed in, right? And at that point, I consider that to be too much, too negative. And so what I want to do is I I never want to rock the boat too aggressively because when I come into situations more often than not, there's already a high stress load on the family, So I never want nutrition to be a negative stressor on somebody. I want it to be a positive impact, but by doing so, in order for it to be positive in an already stressful environment is it needs to be slow. It needs to be doable and it cannot feel too hard. Yeah. And and like you said earlier, it's, it's a sliding scale. You know, I think we should be okay with, you know, living in that gray area instead of, you know, the, the all or nothing mentality. Um, and I really like your tip of like finding healthier alternatives to maybe like the processed foods that you're so used to giving your family. I think that's such a good easy swap instead of being like, okay, no potato chips. Uh, we're just gonna eat, you know, hummus and, and cucumbers. Like, of course, that would be a perfect world and the ultimate goal, but it's not sustainable or likely or reasonable. And it probably won't be won't be taken very well by your kids if they're used to eating potato chips every single day. Oh, yeah. Well, and then like, does a parent actually have time to prepare everything, right? And most of us don't. Most parents are working, both are working and like in order to truly be maybe as clean as you want to be, everything would have to be homemade and the time and effort, like it's just, it's simply not sustainable. And so you have to be okay with that sliding scale in like some areas, right? There are just certain things that I'm not going to take the time to make, but I have found a brand that I'm happy with and that I am okay using, right? And, and that's just essentially like how I raise my kids, how I treat my family, but then how I recommend it to clients as well. It's not about perfection. Perfection is too stressful, right? But it is yeah. about finding sustainable changes and like being as clean as possible within the space that you have. So maybe for people who don't even know like what to look for on the ingredient list or on the packaged foods. Maybe what are a couple things that they can be looking for when trying to figure out what processed snacks or easy snacks are, let's say, clean versus like, "Mm, this one has some red flags that maybe we should we should try to avoid. Like, what are a couple of those? 
Yeah, sure. Um, I, I would say my heavy hitters are always going to be dyes. I really try to limit dyes. Um, so if I see, you know, red 40, anything like that, I automatically try to limit, try to find a different option there. Like I, I very much try to avoid those. And then um, processed oils, heavily processed oils. So that's going to be seeing like your soybean oil, your vegetable oil, canola oil, peanut oil. I really try to limit those. And I guess if I was to pick a third, I would say um, that your nitrites, nitrates and phosphates. So those are going to be what's found in, you know, your hot dogs, your deli meats. And the reason why I say that is because those tend to be easy options for kids, right? Um, but what I like to see if I'm going with a deli meat or a hot dog is that they're uncured. And that if when you look on the package, it should show that everything, all your preservatives are coming from natural, like from celery juice, for example, is going to be a common preservative being used in those. Um, those would be the heaviest hitting ones just because your nitrates, nitrites, phosphates, all of those are going to be big endocrine disruptors or potential hormonal disruptors and the growth of kids. I do not want in any way or as much as possible. I want to try to limit any impact on their hormones so that they do grow and mature as they should be without any sort of like impact coming on that. Yeah, I agree with all those, especially especially the dyes. I'm going to be having an episode coming out soon with some experts on on dyes, and I really think that people don't don't understand the negative effects dyes can have on their kids. So that is definitely a good one. You know, dyes like the nitrates and stuff. Um, I think those are some great ones for parents to look out for because it can be so overwhelming, especially the way that foods are marketed to kids and marketed to make them look healthy. Oh, yeah. Like, especially with like fruit snacks and stuff where they're like fruits, number one ingredient. And then you look and it's like fruit concentrate or fruit puree or whatever. And I'm just like, I mean, I don't know if that really counts, but (laughs) okay. And we think we're making the healthier alternative by what, how they market these foods. The marketing is really concerning. I think what, what's hard is that I truly believe parents want to do a good job. More, vast majority of parents really care, right? Like we care about our kids. We want to, we try really hard. And I think what's tricky is that marketing, it's marketed as being all natural, healthy options, but then they're still including all of these, I would say processed ingredients that can be harmful, but they're marketed as being organic, for example, or in, let's say I see a lot of like organic canola oil or organic soybean oil getting put in. So they're marketing this as being like all natural organic, but the organic term does not impact how the oil itself is processed. And it's the processing of these things that can create inflammation and some of the negative side effects down the line, right? So organic is, can be in some ways just a marketing term if we're not careful and knowledgeable. And I think what's also very hard is that a lot of dyes and things like that are put in things that you wouldn't even consider. For example, pickles, right? Uh, 
there's so many brands of pickles that have yellows and blues added to give that coloring of the pickles themselves, right? And you wouldn't even think about it. You're like, oh, pickles, here we go. What's the big deal? And then you look on the back and there's a list this long of ingredients. And that that's where I think it can become very overwhelming for parents because one, you're already shopping. You, you're shopping on limited time more often than not. It's common that parents are taking their kids shopping and then they're screaming, wanting all of these things that are right at eye level for them that show all the fun characters, all the fun colors, shapes, all of that. And that you're going for what you are thinking and what is sold as being the best option when it's more often than not, not. I, what I tend to find when I'm at the grocery store, if I'm shopping for the cleaner, still processed options, let's say crackers, chips, those sort of things, the cleanest options tend to be on the highest shelf or the lowest. They're never put at eye level. And so they, they tend to be hidden away. And so when I'm telling a client, you know, like, oh, um, if you want Rice Krispies for your child, for example, here's a cleaner brand. It can be really, really challenging for them to find it if I'm not specifically telling them, like, look in this aisle and look either high or low. It will be hidden in there. That That's hard. Yeah. And I think, like, awareness is the most important part because people don't know that. So, mm-hmm. you know, if that's, like, one of the only takeaways people get is, <laughs> is mm-hmm. to you know, look in different areas when they're, when they're grocery shopping. Like that's something that most people don't know. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, like these, these companies, it, it all comes down to money and they like pay for the prime spots in the grocery stores, you know, and it's going to be these big companies with that are the ones filled with dyes and sugars and, and all these processed ingredients that are not good that are going to get the the spots in the grocery stores that are in your site and your kid's site and your kids will be like I want it I want it so bad so mm-hmm. just keeping that in mind and the awareness of it I think is is super important um do you have any words of encouragement for maybe moms who are trying to make healthier changes for their kids or moms that are just getting into the the age of their kids starting to eat cuz it can be so overwhelming. It can be. And I guess if I was to recommend anything, I would say like, do the best you can without stressing too much about it. Because it's at some point you cannot control everything. And there's like, I don't also want to, I worry where I worry is if I'm saying too much about what I am thinking is good or bad too. Because your belief structure does impact how you digest foods. And what is really challenging, like for me, is if I, if I believe, and I really do believe that a lot of these oils are very inflammatory and like I've seen a lot of success in removing them from like an inflammatory standpoint and all of that. But my kid has no concept of that yet, right? And so he will digest that better than I will. So if I can, if I can provide as much of a variety and whole food option at home as much as possible, then if he goes out and let's say he's with his friends or he's with his grandparents and they're not feeding him a hundred percent of what I would want to see, 
what I also have to be okay with is that like your bodies are meant to adapt to stress. And I am perceiving maybe those chips or something like that, that maybe he's getting there that he wouldn't, that I wouldn't buy for him. That is his body stress that he then has to handle. And if I am setting him up for an environment at home that is, isn't stressful from a food standpoint, easily digestible, easily assimilated, then his body should be able to handle that stress fine. And I also want to be okay with that too. And I just don't want to have where people struggle is that we end up having a higher level of a lot of these things than what we realize. And that's the problem is that our systems are just too, I think, overwhelmed from a stress standpoint, whether it's from, you know, our careers, from the lifestyles we're living from these foods. And that is why I think we struggle even more to digest them than what kids will. And so I also want to keep that in mind. And so I think for parents is I I do think we worry a lot if we do have some of this knowledge of like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. He should never eat this. And I don't, I want to be like, okay, that's, I don't love it, but his body should also be able to handle it. And it's a good stressor for his body to see occasionally. And if I can allow that space where I control the majority, but he has a little bit of wiggle room, I think that also helps sustainability from a kid's standpoint, being able to like handle some of these things, but then also from a parent standpoint and that like, don't put so much pressure on yourself. But if you have cleaner options at home, they will, they will eat those options. But if you constantly have, let's see, candy and stuff like that, then that's what they're going to eat because it's there. Just like you want those same things, right? If I, I don't eat ice cream every single day because I don't buy ice cream to have in my house every single day. But if I constantly had ice cream in my house and all of a sudden I had a bad day at work or something like that, it would be easier to think like, oh man, that ice cream, that probably would be real good right now, right? And so sometimes I think, if you don't have it, like they're also not going to eat it. Yeah. And I, I just love and agree with what you said about like, you know, eating the whole foods and the healthier options and alternatives at home is it's going to set you up success to, for success when they go out and they aren't eating the same things. I think that was kind of one of my, and still is my husband's biggest worry is he doesn't want our kid to like, be deprived of these quote unquote unhealthy foods where when he has the opportunity, like he overdoes it. And that's totally understandable. And I think that's why, like, that's where the balance comes in. Like if my, like my kid's not going to be eating dyes in the house, but if my kid's at a birthday party and he really wants like the cupcake or the slice of cake or whatever has that's 99% sure will have these dyes in, in them. You know, I want my kid to, to be able to enjoy it. But I think like the older they get to, they'll understand how these foods make them feel and they can make like the educated decision that they're not going to be making when they're, you know, five years old. They're not going to be like, Hmm, I don't want to eat this cake because I know it is going to make me feel, you know, hurt my tummy or or make me sluggish or 
or whatever. And when they're older, they'll understand that. But if like you deprive your kid of any unhealthy, bad food, that can lead to some negative things down the road. It can, because again, like it, it becomes too restrictive at the Mm -hmm. same time. You're putting so much that it's, it's an extreme. And then eventually I think it leads to going to the exact opposite extreme, right? Like I never want to sit on an extreme side of anything. I want, our goal should always be balance. I I think that's all, that's all I'm searching for in life, in food, when it comes to any of this, it's just balance, balance as a whole. And like, how well balanced are you? You know, if it's my kid's birthday, I prefer to make a cake myself because at least then I know the ingredients and all of that going into it. If I am, if we want cookies, if we want muffins, that's all stuff that I'm going to make myself. But when he goes out, most often he's getting, let's say like a store-bought birthday cake. Okay. I don't care because 99.99% of the time he's not getting that. And I'm okay with that because I have set up we need to look at our bodies as having the capability to digest and break these things down. It's just when we become overwhelmed that then I think it, our bodies turn towards, you know, just putting out the fires and not necessarily having the time or the ability to do it all. And that's where you start to see a lot of chronic issues and digestive stuff, all of that start to come about. So I have no concern about like the every once in a while thing, but if I know that we're going to have, let's say a heavy weekend of a lot of processed foods, then that next week, I'm going to be more conscious of like really good whole food options the rest of that week going forward. You know, it's like, okay, well, when we get home, like none of that's in our house. So let's go back to, you know, you can have fruits. Do you want yogurt? Do you want the deli meat? Do you want beef? Do you want chicken? And more often than not, you know, like if we're asking, you know, my, my son, what he wants to eat, he'll say like, Oh, chicken and rice, you know, he'll carrots, peppers, yogurt, deli meat, you know, like he's gravitating towards those and asking for them. And let's say if he's like, Oh, I want popsicles. And it's like, well, we don't have any popsicles. What do you want? Oh, I'll have some frozen fruit. And he'll have that, you know, so it's like they will find an alternative if what they want isn't available, they will find something else and just have it be something that you are comfortable with. Like my son eats a lot of beef jerky, beef sticks, all of that, but they're very clean options for him that I'm very comfortable with him having. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it all just comes down, comes down to balance. And I think that's what us as moms need to realize that we, we don't need to be perfect. And honestly, like when we try to be perfect, it just has more negative consequences than trying to find the balance, whether it's our own mental health and stress or, you know, our our kids, um, like struggling with their own relationship with food and whatnot. So I think that's, we should just be striving for balance, not perfection. Um, where can our listeners find you and reach out to you and connect with you? Yeah. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Um, I have a website. My website is nourish and lift. 
um, Facebook Nourish and Lift. And then my Instagram handle is um, at Emily Miller underscore Nourish and Lift. Uh, I'm also on threads if, <laughs> with that being like the hot new thing. <laughs> um, I am there as well, but I do offer a free 30 minute consultation. So if anybody is interested in just learning more, anything like that, I do offer that. So nobody has to sign up for a program or start working with me before ensuring that I am a good fit for you. And within that 30 minute consultation, I always try to provide starting recommendations. So whether it's a brand recommendation or like, Hey, I would try this or that so that you walk away with something tangible that you can take with you and at least put into practice even before starting to officially work with me, if you will. Okay. Awesome. I'll put all that in the show notes so people can, can find you and and connect with you. Um, I just want to say thank you for, for coming on and sharing all this knowledge. And I really hope people follow you and get these um, free consults with you, because I think you have so much that we need to learn and, you know, pass down to our kids because they are going to be growing up in a world less healthy than we grew up in. And we, we want to have all the tools that we can to, you know, raise them the best we can. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you all for joining me in another episode of the Bread Therapy Mama podcast. If you like this kind of content, check out my blog for recipes, how-tos, product recommendations, and more. Just go to breadtherapymama.com. I'll see you all in the next episode.